would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Being the church. As you may recall last weekend, we had our annual local church conference, our charge conference. This is when we take a moment to reflect on the work of the church in the past year and consider what we're going to do in the year ahead. Since this was my first full year of service here at the First United Methodist Church of Yuma, it was fun to reflect on all the wonderful work that you have accomplished this past year and think about all the, the trajectory that you are on for the next year. When we had the last church conference, I'd only been here for a little while, a little over three months, and we were trying to figure out how to come back from the lockdown period from COVID. We restarted several ministry programs like Sunday school and Wednesday night Bible studies, and we even had a day where we took a celebratory removal of the tape on the pews so we could sit closer together. As I learned more about this church over the past year, actually this little year and three months or so, one thing quickly began to become clear to me, and I began to appreciate your love that you have for each other. When someone is ill or had to go to the hospital, there were people in the church community who were always asking how they could help. How could they bring food or send cards or run errands for whoever needed that help? There's a strong sense of compassion here, and your bonds are equally strong. Whether people are vacationing up north or they're here for over the summer or they're right next door, the members of this church come together both to celebrate the good news of the day and to help each other cope with the challenges of life. Our passage today, our first passage, gives the impression that the Apostle Paul had the same view of the Thessalonian church. Paul started his letter to the Thessalonian church with a statement of gratitude. Gratitude for their growing faith and love for one another. Despite the challenges that they were enduring at that time, which included religious persecution by the local authorities, the Thessalonian church was known to be a home of faithful, of faithful Christians and disciples. Paul appreciated their ministry, but he also challenged them to continue growing in their faith. Rather than assuming that this particular church community would earn their way to acceptance by God, Paul prayed that God would make them worthy of God's call. Their personal decisions to participate in the church and follow the teachings of Jesus was necessary for the church community to thrive. But it was God who offered those opportunities. It was God who spoke to them through the Spirit, granting them discernment and a revelation of the gospel message. God, working through Christ and the Holy Spirit, was doing a new thing in the Thessalonian community that many people recognized and appreciated. So Paul offered them the important reminder that the glory for their success belonged to Jesus. The work that they accomplished came from following the teachings of Jesus, and the grace they received came as a gift from Jesus. Therefore, their ministry glorified Jesus and allowed them to be glorified in Jesus. 
Jesus gave the, them the example of love and compassion that they were expected to follow. And he showed them how to spread that love to others, even people they may not expect to ever become fellow disciples of Christ. One good example of this scenario came to us from our gospel reading this morning, from the Gospel of Luke. In today's gospel reading, we see the story of Zacchaeus' transformation. Jesus was passing through Jericho on his final journey to Jerusalem. And there was a huge crowd following him. He was very popular. At this point, he'd become somewhat of a celebrity. And he had a cured a blind man also on the way into town. So people were there trying to catch a glimpse of who this new special teacher was, wherever he went. Zacchaeus also wanted to see who this new teacher was, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he climbed a tree. He climbed a tree that was near a path that Jesus was supposed to, to be traveling on. When Jesus reached that tree, he stopped and saw Zacchaeus, and he called him to come down so that Jesus could visit with him in his home. And this is really quite a scandal at the time. Here was Jesus, a pretty famous religious teacher for the Jews, who had specifically asked to visit the home of Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector who was despised by the other Jews. There was plenty of other influential people who would have loved and been honored to have Jesus visit their home. And there were several people around who would have boosted Jesus' image in the community, much more than Zacchaeus would have. But that apparently was not what Jesus was interested in. Jesus was interested in transforming people for the kingdom of God, and that is exactly what happened to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus <clears throat> had acquired a great deal of wealth, probably from cheating other Jews on their taxes. But after his visit with Jesus, he promised he would change his, promised he would change his ways. He offered to give half of his wealth to the poor, and to repay those whom he had cheated four times what he had taken from them. Jesus applauded his transformation, announcing that salvation had come to Zacchaeus' house. And Jesus pointed out that Zacchaeus was also to be recognized as a child of Abraham, just as every other Jew in the community. He had been ostracized by his community, but Jesus stood up for him, gave him a chance to repent, and encouraged and facilitated his transformation. This is the kind of work Jesus did, and it's the kind of work I think he expects of all his disciples. But reaching out to the community can be frustrating sometimes. Jesus had the mind of God, so he was able to see who was ready for a change and what kind of inspiration, what kind of specific button needed to be pushed. But we don't have those same capabilities. Sometimes we might offer someone help and get a cold shoulder. We may have taken, been taken advantage of by somebody else when we tried to help them in the past. These frustrations can lead some of us to give up on helping others or make us weary about lending a hand. Despite being frustrated, I think it's important to keep trying to help those, to help the others, as it reflects not only our faith in people, but our faith in God. Our reading today from the prophet Habakkuk relates to this kind of frustration, <clears throat> the 
that we can experience when dealing with people. This prophet is thought to have lived at the height of the Babylonian Empire, sometime in the 7th century BCE, when the Babylonians were dominating the Israelites. The Babylonians demanded tributes from the Israelites and eventually forced them into exile. Habakkuk cried out to God because he felt that God was ignoring the injustices that were taking place that he was seeing. He saw people acting violently, causing trouble and contending with each other. Justice never seemed to prevail and it seemed like the wicked ways were always winning, so judgment was distorted. We can see the same kinds of issues today throughout the world. Of course, there's the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and there's also the Syrian violence in the Middle East, and the Chinese attacks on the Uyghurs, and the Rohingya genocide in Burma. On a much smaller scale, we can see injustice closer to home, such as the rise in homelessness, and the financial burden on people who need health care. When we see events like these going on for long periods of time, we might wonder, why doesn't God intervene? Well, the second part of our passage from Habakkuk, from chapter 2, gives us encouragement to remain hopeful. The prophet clearly has faith in God because he decides to take up a position as a sentry, standing watch and waiting for God's reply. The Lord does indeed reply to Habakkuk and tells him to write down this vision so that others may see their response to his complaints of injustice. God responds that there will be a reliable answer that will come in time. If it seems to be taking too long, just wait a little bit more because it will come. The proud are criticized by God with a statement that their spirit is not right within them, but the righteous will live by faith. Those who remain faithful to God will eventually be rewarded with the justice they seek. I find this passage comforting as I think about ministry work because it encourages me, encourages me and I think it encourages us to have hope. Despite, despite all the setbacks and frustrations that we might encounter from the Zacchaeuses of the world, who have not only who've only been able to live life in a way of selfishness so far, there's always a chance that God's Spirit will someday touch their life. They too may one day be inspired to share their wealth with the privileged and the neediest in the community, rather, and discover a desire to make amends for the injustices that they've caused. This is the kind of transformative ministry work Christ came to perform. And I think it's the kind of work that he wants us to continue, faithfully reaching out to others around us, especially the ostracized and forgotten, so that they can rediscover that image of God that is within them. This was the work of the Thessalonian churches that Paul was excited to see, and I think it continues to be in the work of this church today. So I encourage you today to think about our ministry our ministry work in the year ahead here in Yuma and how it will, we will grow deeper in faith. Let us continue to live with the compassion that we have for each other and let us make an extra effort to share that love with others who aren't a part of this worship service today. 
Let's never give up on those that we're trying to serve, and let's do it all for the glory of Christ. And if we ever find ourselves called by Christ to climb out of our safe perch and stand close to him, let us not be too proud to admit that we have more than enough wealth or privilege to share. Perhaps we have been complicit in some of the injustices or wrongs in this world that we need to find a way to make right. And perhaps there is a greater transformation already ahead for us that can bring us closer to God. Because being transformed and transformative in community for the glory of Christ is what it means to be the church.